Good morning, Tucson. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. This week, we discuss the Spanish move from Tubac to Tucson, and we return to the place where art and history meet. Today is February 2nd, 0202, 2020. My name is Tom Heath, and you are listening to Life along the streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to U Arizona, and all stops in between. You get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org. We're also available on your iPhone or Android using our very own Downtown Radio app. You can take us wherever you go, if you simply download Downtown Radio Tucson. And then you'll always have us in your pocket. If you want to get us on the show, our email address is contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. Many of you interact with us over there on Facebook at Life Along the Streetcar. Some of you follow us on Twitter. And I hope all of you check out our past episodes on our webpage, lifealongthestreetcar.org. Well, we're going to start today's uh, news uh, with an inaugural event. Amago Day Middle School was founded in 2005 by the Reverend Susan Anderson Smith and the Reverend Ann Sawyer. And their purpose is to address inequality of educational and life opportunities for low-income children in Tucson. In 2018, we sat down with head of school Cameron Taylor to get a glimpse of what's made them so successful. And you can hear that complete interview on uh, our website there uh, we mentioned earlier, lifealongthestreetcar.org. The interview is called Breaking the Cycle of Poverty. And what we learned is that the students of Imago Day, they go on to successful high school, college, and private sector careers. And there is no coincidence that the effort of the staff, faculty, and volunteers to make the educational experience inclusive of the entire family is a big factor in that success. Remember, the founding principles were to address inequality in educational and life opportunities. Magoday does not look at the academic skills of a child in a vacuum. They look at the life of the child. They keep longer school hours up until five, I believe, maybe even a little bit later, to accommodate a working class base. They take no federal funding. They work off of donations and fundraisers. That They uh, provide a high-quality education with multiple teachers in classrooms, a low student-to-teacher uh, ratio, and they work with a lot of students that come through our refugee system. Students who are extremely intelligent sometimes struggle with our English language. So the low teacher to student ratio, or is it the low teacher to student ratio? No, it's the high teacher to student ratio is a part of their success. It's the holistic approach. Well, next Saturday, Imago Day is hosting an event to showcase the entrepreneurial families of the school with a family showcase. There'll be information on the businesses of the Imago Day families along with activities and crafts for kids and uh, a glimpse of life in the school. So it's a three-hour event. It's planned from February 8th, on February 8th, from 9 to noon. 
And it's at the school, which is kind of tucked away there on 6th Avenue across from the Ronstadt Transit Center. It's 55 North 6th Avenue, for those of you with Google Maps. Now, the tagline of this inaugural event is bringing our school families together to meet and share resources with each other. I did check, and the general public is not only invited, but they're encouraged to come and check out the amazing work being done and to see proof that a good education is not solely dependent upon financial resources. It takes a village, and that village will be on display next Saturday at Imago Day. Now, in the past, we've told you the story of the red-haired, Irish-born Spanish soldier, Hugo O'Connor, and his selection for the Presidio San Agustin, which has led to the formation of the city of Tucson. And Hugo O'Connor is considered the father of Tucson because of his decision in 1775 to bring the Spanish fort here. Well, today, we're going to go back in time to uncover the world forces which pushed the Spanish north. Captain Dianza had just left the Tubac Presidio with over 200 of its residents on a journey which would end in the founding of the city of San Francisco, the Anza Trail as we know it. The Russian Empire was moving west, making a strong surge to control the Pacific coast. Tensions with the Apaches were growing. War was on the horizon. It was the mid-18th century, and it was then that the Spanish decided to press onward from their two-back mission in Presidio. We called up Shannon Stone, the executive director of Tubac Presidio State Historic Park and Museum, to learn more about the history and this connection of Tubac and Tucson. And we also learned about some really cool upcoming events like their Festival of Arts and a painted javelina auction. I'm, I'm Shannon Stone. I'm the executive director here at the Tubac Presidio in um, Tubac, Arizona. We're Arizona's first state park, um, although we are a partner park now, so we're run by a friends group and um, about about 50 volunteers a month. I'm the only paid staff. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I love the Presidio. It's 11 acre park with eight gardens, five buildings, four of them are historic. And um, the Tucson Presidio, came right after us they uh we were 1752 um after there was a an issue with some of the natives the pimas here and the autumns for tumacacri and um that was in 1751 and so uh new spain decided there needed to be a fort built because the main mission was moving north that was always the mission of the the spanish um and at the time you had Russia already established a fort in Northern California, Fort Ross. You had France coming in from, you know, central, north, northern, you know, central area. You had England and then you had Spain coming up from the south. So that was this true, you know, war over um, who would, so to speak, claim what is now would be America today. And um, so... The, Spain, the, the Spanish are going to move north. Um, so with, with Tubac, um, if I understand correctly, what I hear you saying is that the, what came first were the missions that, that all, were there. Yeah. But for security reasons, the Spanish decided to put um, a presidio or a fort um, in close proximity to protect their citizens. Is that, is that accurate? 
Right, and so you, you'd, you'd send the missions first. It was, you know, gold, glory, and God. You wanted to send the missions. You wanted to send excavating and, and um, teams that would look for gold and silver, those sorts of, of items. Um, and then you wanted to convert the natives um, because then you wouldn't have to send people from Spain um, over there to to have a settlement. But that's what, what Tubac would be. We would be Arizona's first European settlement um, after, you know, 1691 until 1751, uh, Father Kino at Tumacacri would have um, his reign, and that's when things would get kind of, the, the tension would build. And so Spain figured, well, we have to beat the Russians anyway. We're, we're moving north anyway. We have to really try to um, keep the temperament of the natives down. And so we might as well send new Spain, you know, we need to claim this as our own and have a settlement here. And so that's what they did. They sent soldiers, about 50 soldiers, um, and and we the whole the whole town itself was the Presidio. The fort and the ruins that we have on display today, um, that's where the captain lived. Those were his quarters with his family. And Belderain was the first commander of the fort. And then, of course, um, uh, we have the famous Anza, Juan Batista de Anza, which is whom the trail, the National Historic Trail is named after. It starts in Mexico and goes all the way to San Francisco. And Tubacanos, people from Tubac, about 240 of them, would walk um, four months from October until March, and they would found what is today known as San Francisco. They were people from Tubac, and it was because of Juan Batista de Anza. Um, the fort, the ruins of it are still on display, along with um, the second oldest one-room schoolhouse in Arizona. We have a fantastic museum. It covers about 2,000 years worth of really unbelievable history here. Uh, we have Otero Hall, which is um, our art gallery, because, of course, modern days, Tubac is where art and history meet, so we, we really try to incorporate a lot of art into our history. And then we have the Rojas House. It's a home lived in by a family for over 100 years on display. Because the population here would kind of increase and then decrease, there'd be this influx, and then everyone would leave. Either it was for the Civil War or the gold rush. There were a lot of reasons why a, not everyone, but a lot of people would leave. And, and that left the, the town and the Presidio, uh, Presidio vulnerable. So... Um, it just got to the point where Tucson was getting to be a bigger and better uh, city, and they decided, let's just take the fort up there. Um, it was just a better location, and eventually, when the railroads would come, you know, that was even better for for miners and and things like that. So, so the, um, the idea was not to run them consecutively, like they weren't trying to to uh, staff, so to speak, two different presidios. They were physically moving in in a direction and and. Exactly. Okay. Now, our, our the founding father that we talk about quite a bit here in Tucson uh, on, on the 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 um, uh, Presidio San Augustine, Hugo O'Connor, was he stationed in Tubac, or did did he have any connection to to that? And he really had made a name for himself on the frontier of New Spain. But um, as far as I know, he was not stationed here. He was here, but he was never um, in charge of anything. It was Belderain. And it was Juan Batista de Anza II, and those were the two um, commanders in chief here that really regulated everything. And yeah, he was of Irish uh, descent, mm -hmm. 
And uh, which is it's just very interesting, you know, that you have this great mixture of different cultures. And that's what's great about Southern Arizona, because See. now we can talk about an Irish person when we're talking about Spanish history, when we're talking about, you know, Apache history. And it's just it's all this melting pot here in Southern Arizona. So you have a, a red haired Irishman serving in the Spanish uh, army trying to beat the, uh, the Russian, the Russians to a uh, land acquisition. Exactly. <laughs> and all the while we have our, our native population trying to figure it out as well. So right. it's a, a very, very interesting cross-section. I don't think when we talk about the Spanish uh, moving through here, uh, the Irish or the Russians get named very often. Hey, how long have you been with, uh, with, with the park? Uh, so I've been here for about two and a half years as the director. I came from Degrazzi Gallery. I was their education director for okay. the last uh, 10 years before that. And I just have a real passion for the history here in Southern Arizona. I got my degree in history from, of course, U of A, go Cats. <laughs> and, um, I'm working currently working on my master's in museum studies uh, through the Harvard Extension College. And I just, um, I just, I really, I really feel my purpose here is to, to teach people about the history and, and just kind of open their eyes to not only things that were and you know, but also empathy and, and tolerance because all of these stories, we all we all can relate to each one of these characters in the history. And um, it's really fascinating and it just kind of helps you understand current um, perspectives and the future. We're talking with Shannon Stone. She's the executive director of the uh, Tubac Presidio State Historic Park and Museum. Getting a little bit of history of that connection of Tubac and Tucson. And we'll be back in just a moment with some really cool events that are coming up here um, in very short order. But I want to remind you that my name is Tom Heath and you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. All right. Well, we're going to jump back into our phone interview with Shannon Stone of uh, the Tubac Presidio Museum down there in Tubac, Arizona. And she's going to tell us about some really cool events coming up, including their Festival of Arts, which is now in its, uh, I think, sixth decade. It is going to be our 61st uh, annual festival. Um, this year it will be put on by Vermilion Promotions, and um, they're bringing in so much talent. A lot of new artists to Tubac that have never been here. We're probably going to have over 200 artisans Um and of course, Beer Garden brought to you by the Onza Trail Coalition. Um, we'll have a ton of food, a lot, lot of things to come and do and see and entertainment, live entertainment. Um, and it's free. There's no admission. It's $8 for parking um, per vehicle, but all the money, all the $8 goes to support local organizations here. I think we have over 10,000 people attend last year. It's the biggest uh, festival, artist festival in Southern Arizona, and it's the longest running. Are the artists selected? Are they curated for any specialty? Or generally, all mediums. Um, it's a juried event, and it showcases, uh, you know, artists just from around the country and sometimes around the world. So, um, artists do apply here, and um, I, I don't know. I'm not as familiar with the process of of, of applying, but. Mm -hmm. This will be the, one of the largest uh, festivals we've ever had. Is it uh, like a, a series of exhibitors and you're, you're looking to maybe purchase art or are you having um, interactions with how, the, how this artwork came to be created or how, 
how the area has evolved through that that art and history combination? You know, some of the artists they'll they'll actually be painting or sculpting or showing you how they do whatever medium is that they work in. And of course, there's over a hundred shops here in the village on top of just the booths that will be on display and the fine art galleries here. Um, it's a great opportunity to talk to artists if you are interested in this, um, becoming an artist or, or having a booth here next year. This is an, a perfect opportunity to do that. There's another event coming up, and I don't really know anything about this, but someone told me that it was this kind of fun little, um, uh, I guess it's an, an event, but an experience, the, the Javelinas, the Tubac. It's fabulous, yes. Can you tell, okay. me, can you tell me more about what, what, what that actually is? Yeah, Javelinas the Tubac Project um, is a public art ex exhibit. Um, it's about 50 Javelina statues. So there's large ones, mamas and papas and babies, and they're all painted by local artists. And these went on display in October, and they will continue to be on display through March of 2020. Now, most of them will still continue to be on display after that, um, be, but 20 of them will be auctioned off on April 4th um, at the Center of Arts here in Tubac. And um, there's about 37 javelinas located here in Tubac, uh, three javelinas off the frontage road near Tumacockery. And of course, um, there's six at the Tucson uh, International Airport, one at the Desert Museum in Tucson, one at Mesquite Valley Growers in Tucson, and two in Green Valley. So they're just all over the place. And the proceeds of the auction on April 4th go to um, the Tubac Center of the Arts. Um, and so it's just a great opportunity to come and support local art and have a great time. There's, um, if you want to find out more information, because they're going to be doing walking tours, and though that information I don't, I'm not familiar with, go to www.havelinasdaytoback.com, and they'll have all the current information about tours. Um, there's also maps available, so you can, you know, grab a map when you go to TCA in Tubac, and they'll show you where all the javelinas are. So we're encouraging people, um, groups of people, individuals, families to go get your pictures taken with the javelinas. They're all painted differently, and they're so beautiful and wonderful. And the artist did such a great job. So much thought and effort was put into this project. And um, it's, it's just wonderful. It's fun. That's all I can say is this project is absolutely fun. And um, I really encourage everybody to come out, check out the Javelinas. And, um, you know, if you're really interested, come out on April 4th for the auction, the live auction. Yeah, I think the, the sort of uh, the, the concept that I always shared was it's kind of like a, a, a treasure hunt, so to speak, where you, you get this map and, the, and you can travel all around, some by walking, but obviously if they're in Tucson or, or Green Valley or, or something like that, you can't. But that you can just sort of take this map and, and track them all down and... And then there's information about the artist and everything else. And you're saying then these these will be collected, or some of them will be collected as part of that auction process. Yeah. So um, on the TCA map, there's a place for individuals to write in ten javelinas they found in town when they come visit, and they get their map, circle the one they like the best, um, they, and they need to drop it back off at the center of the arts in Tubac. And a winner will be announced in April. I'm I, I'm assuming it's in conjunction with the actual auction on the 4th. The prize is really awesome. It's a weekend stay at the Tubac Golf Resort, which I don't know if you've been there, but it's unbelievably beautiful. Tin was filmed there, of course, and um, it's just the ambiance there is old 
mixed with new. And um, there'll be another special programs throughout the season, like I mentioned, possible walking tours and that sort of a thing. Um, and those will be mentioned on their website at um, javelinasday2back.com. The, the Presidio, um, back to that really quickly, wh what are some of the things that are, are probably unknown to the world about, about the Presidio? What are th when people come down and they start doing the tours, um, what, what's, what, do you, what do you get? Is there a sense of what gets surprises them? Yeah, well, for one, everyone is just blown away by how much we have here, not just in, in volume, um, but also just in, in history. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we cover about 2,000 years worth of history um, consistently. And Tucson, in southern Arizona in general, we can boast that. We're older than the United States. We've consistently been inhabited for thousands of years. And um, the museum here is just, it's unbelievable. We're working to update some of the exhibitions to bring a more current perspective and more inclusion. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, interactives, too. Of course, the ruins. People love the ruins and um, going through the Rojas house. But I have to say, I think we really connect people the most just with um, the stories, the stories of the individuals who made Tubac what it is today. Uh, we make them come alive, and they really do reach out and touch people. So we get a lot of people from back east or the Midwest, and they don't know anything about Arizona's history or especially southern Arizona's history. And, you know, too bad we're only 20 miles north of the Mexican-U.S. border, and there's just, it's just so rich here. And it's, it's almost like another world to these people. They step out of what they've known their whole lives. They come here. And they learn about, you know, the different native tribes here, the Spanish, and then just all the individuals who had to fight to keep a home here or a ranch here. And um, and still today, you know, the trials that we have today. So it's, it's a really great community. Um, this village is amazing. And we work, we collaborate so much with other organizations like the Tubac Historical Society, Border Community Alliance. Um, the Tubac Center of the Arts, on the Trail Coalition. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Um, everyone truly here cares about the community, and we all want to see its history preserved and the legacy, you know, being remembered and, and lived and taught and um, just uh, reaching out to people who, who've never experienced this. We host about 100 70 to 100 events a year and a lot of those are you know historical demos uh we do a lot of living history we do great lectures our lecture series is unbelievable um we have a concert series with ted ramirez um who is tucson based as well he does a lot with the tucson presidio um we do guided tours of the river the santa cruz river is not far from here and that is a huge part of our history is the river um, and, and just um, free events. So if people want to, um, you know, not miss out on any of our events, especially the free ones, they can uh, join. They can just give us a call and give us their email. We send about one or twice, maybe two, two a year um, of just uh, our calendar of events. And so that way everybody knows what next season is going to look like. And, um, of course, follow us on Facebook and, and Instagram at the tobackprostudio.org. Two we, we'd love to, sh to have you post your selfies at our selfie station and, of course, hashtag Tubac Prostudio. 
Hashtag Tubac Presidio. When you take your selfie there, that is according to Shannon Stone, the executive director at the Tubac Presidio State Historic Park and Museum. I want to appreciate, uh, I want to thank her for her time and appreciate how much is going on down there and that she took a few minutes to, uh, to chat with us. Well, my name is Tom Heath and you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar, Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. That's a wrap for episode number 121. I think we're going to call this one Off the Beaten Path because we took a little bit of a, a detour off our normal footprint of A Mountain to U Arizona. And yes, I am trying to adopt that U Arizona. So I'm probably going to need some help with that. Hey, we've got some cool shows coming up here in February. We have uh, uh, some nice stuff happening with the folks over at Tap and Bottle. they got a cool little event coming up. Uh, have a chance to sit down with Randy Dorman and the launch of their project on 4th and University, Trinity. Also have that interview we did with the uh, designers and um, uh, those at the U of A who put together, say I just did it, those at U Arizona who put together uh, the Student Union Memorial Center there. Well, today is 02-02-2020. It's a palindrome. The same date, forwards and backwards, 0202. 2020. It's a little too crazy for me, so we're going to leave you with music from Tropical Beach. This is all too crazy for me. Have a great week, and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. <laughs>